the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday morning. It is the 23rd morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We got one guest coming up this morning in an hour at about 10.05. We're going to be joined by my friend Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski, president of the We the People Convention, uh, also the Portage County Tea Party. He is, well, let's just say he's uh, ready to go. Uh, I had a little chat on or uh, by text this morning with Tom Z. He's fired up and ready to go. He heard my interview yesterday with Governor Mike DeWine, as did a whole lot of other people. And there are a whole lot of other people who have some words for our state's leader. And Tom Z is going to be able to express some of those coming up. He wrote a, a very interesting and I thought brilliant, quite frankly, because I agree with it. I guess that's where the brilliance comes in. If I like it, it must be awesome. Uh, but in all reality, it is. Um, he wrote a great essay on the issue of red flag laws on the we, for the uh, WeThePeopleConvention.org website. And uh, we're going to discuss this coming up. By the way, if you missed my interview with Mike DeWine, the governor of the state of Ohio, which was at the end of yesterday's show, I'm going to share it with you in a half an hour. At 9.35, I'm going to replay it in case you missed it yesterday. I have a whole bunch of people contacting me and saying, I missed it, where is it? And, of course, I always point people to the podcast page at whkradio.com. And I also tweeted it yesterday. I tweeted the second hour of the program uh, and Facebooked it as well so that you can see it, or rather, listen to it. Uh, it starts at the 18-15 mark of the recording. You'll hear the conversation with Governor Mike DeWine. So if you can't listen to it live, to, well, taped, but when I play it live for you uh, at 9.35, you can find it on the podcast page at whkradio.com. 
com. But uh, Tom listened to it, and a whole lot of other people listened to it, either live or via that podcast page, and uh, people are not happy. They're not happy with the governor. They're not happy with his responses to my questions. Uh, and they're, they're out to get them, quite frankly. And I'm going to say this. As you can tell from the interview, and as if you did not hear it, you will be able to tell at 935, um, I disagree vehemently with Governor DeWine's support of red flag laws, which he and others sometimes call safety protection orders or personal protection orders. And I expressed that to him in as delicate and respectful of a manner as I could. He's the governor of the state of Ohio. I'm not going to disrespect him in any way. I don't want to. I voted for him. Um, But I disagree with him on the issue of personal protection orders or red flag laws. And I had to express that disagreement in the form of questions to kind of get to, you know, a little bit more of an answer as to why he is going to support these, presenting these to the General Assembly, asking them uh, in the Ohio legislature to take this up and pass these things. Um, I had to ask him questions, and you know how it is. It's in a timed interview. It's, you know, you, you, you don't have a ton of time. I had to interrupt a few times. I hope he didn't take that as disrespect. But I had to interrupt just to follow up on the points to say, wait a minute, what about this? Um, and that's why I'm going to replay this for you again so that you can hear it for yourself. So I, I vehemently disagreed with him, and I think this is a very, very bad idea, to be quite frank. But I respect him for coming on. Most politicians, even Republicans, and they know they're coming on to a conservative show like mine, um, if they know they're going to be challenged, they don't come. Too busy, schedule is too tight, traveling, meetings, whatever. When you try to schedule a lot of politicians, particularly in some of the higher offices in the land, and Governor DeWine is one of 50 governors in this entire country, so it's, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Most of them, you know, if they realize they're going to be challenged, they won't come on. He had the guts to come on with me, and I appreciate that, and I respect that. And that's why I said to him at the end of the interview yesterday, I know this isn't easy. He's try- Listen, I'm going to read to you an essay in a moment here, uh, written co-written by um, Representatives Thomas Massey and our friend and my personal representative in Ohio's 4th Congressional District, Jim Jordan. They both wrote an essay together, did uh, Massey and Jordan, about red flag laws, and I'm going to share with you in a moment. But um, as I said to Governor DeWine, this is not easy. The governor, the president, members of Congress are all trying to do something really, really difficult. And that is balance public safety with the Constitution and our rights to personal protection via the Second Amendment. It's, it's not an easy task. We believe in and support unconditionally. I say that, that's a, it's a loaded word, unconditionally, the Second Amendment. The reason I say unconditionally is no one should be denied their right to, uh, uh, to own a firearm or multiple firearms. But there, and I say unconditionally, but there are, of course, some conditions. For example... Weapons under disability. Somebody who is a felon, somebody who has uh, uh, committed crimes, violent crimes before, they're not allowed to have a weapon. Their Second Amendment rights were forfeited by their decisions. If someone is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they're not allowed to be in possession of a weapon. That's called weapons under disability. So when I say unconditionally, don't take that to mean that anybody and everybody should be able to have a gun, including the criminally insane 
or the, the whacked out on drugs, the whatever the case might be, felons. I do support gun laws in that regard. I do support background checks to make sure that people who should not have guns under those laws don't have guns. So having said that, if you are a responsible person, meaning that you're not a drug addict and not an alcoholic, or at least you're not handling firearms while on drugs or alcohol, and you're not a criminal, you have a right to bear arms. And that part is unconditional. And so Governor DeWine and others are trying to make sure that that is, you know, that, that is balanced with public safety. How can we um, try to stop lunatics from getting their hands on weapons. And that's what they're tasked with doing. They can't do what I can do. Because they're in a position of leadership. They've been elected to find these solutions. I, as just a general citizen, can sit here and throw my hands up and say, there's nothing we can do. Because if you make it harder to get uh, uh, guns legally... They'll just get their guns illegally. That's what criminals do, right? We all say this. There's no ban on guns or, quote, assault weapons that are imaginary things. There's no ban that is going to stop somebody who wants a gun from getting a gun. Just like the current ban on heroin doesn't stop somebody who wants heroin from getting his hands on heroin. So guys like me and you, ladies like you, we can just throw our hands up and say it's impossible, so let's stop talking about this. They can get guns whenever they want. Let's stop talking about it. But politicians can't, because every time there's a mass shooting, people are looking to them. Grieving families are looking to them saying, what are you going to do? What can we do? So they have a tough job trying to figure out how to keep guns out of the hands of the criminally and dangerously and violently insane, if you will, without taking them out of the hands of good people. It's kind of like judges. They take the car keys out of the hands of repeat drunken drivers without taking them out of the hands of responsible drivers. We have to try to find a way to do that. But it's very, very hard. And I recognize that. So I told the governor that at the end of the conversation, which you will hear. Um, I'm going to take a time out here. Actually, let me get a call or two here before the before the break. And then I'm going to share with you the essay written by Representatives Jordan and Massey. And then at 9.35, as I said, if you missed the Governor Mike DeWine interview, I'm going to replay it for you so you can kind of hear what his argument is in his response to some of my concerns about the red flag laws, about the lack of due process, about the cost that somebody who is accused of potentially being uh, someone who should not have a gun, the cost for attorneys and the responsibility that they have to go and prove their innocence. The governor kept saying it's up to the prosecution to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you shouldn't have a firearm, but I disagree. If he's in court because somebody has accused a person of uh, you know, being uh, you know, unstable for one reason or another and unable to, to own firearms, it is up to that individual to go to court and have to buy, pay for legal services, to get up there and prove, no, I'm not a threat to the public or to myself. They have, they have to they have to essentially put on a defense for the crime that they are being accused of that hasn't been committed. This person might commit a crime in the future with this firearm because of this, that, or the other thing. You have to defend yourself and say, no, I won't. 
and convince a judge to not take your Second Amendment protected firearms away. I had to bring these questions up to the governor. Um, you'll hear it for yourself again coming up at 935. I do want to get a call or two in here, though, before the uh, break. Charlie, my friend, the politically incorrect mechanic with Charlie's uh, Auto Service uh, in Lakewood. Hey, Charlie, how are you, my friend? I'm fired up this morning, Bob. I was fired up yesterday yelling at my radio the entire time the governor was on. At me uh, or at him? And I was, uh, what's that? At me or at him? Who were you yelling at? Oh, no, no. <laughs> at him, of course. <laughs> I just Matter of fact, sure. I, unfortunately, we got more, more questions than we did answers yesterday, and I was scribbling notes down like you can't believe. Um, so I'll try to be quick here. Um, he brought up, for starters, he, in his speech, he, saw, he said something about convincing evidence. Convincing evidence like what? Things that would be inadmissible in court, like juvenile records of the Dayton shooter who got him expunged before he went and bought his firearm so that he could legally purchase a firearm, or or just blatant hearsay and something that somebody claims that they heard somebody else say. They, they can't have any real hard evidence unless somebody brings them text messages or recordings because they can't get a search warrant because they don't have any probable cause to obtain any evidence. And the next thing is who, who's... Let me, let me follow that up. Let me fo- hold on, yeah. uh, Charlie. Charlie, hold on. Um, okay. Th- the points you just made were accurate. Um, I would ask on the governor's behalf about the drug and alcohol part. Um, it doesn't take hearsay evidence if somebody is a junkie and therefore is high most of the time or, or tweaking and should not be in possession of a firearm. There can be proof of somebody's drug use. There can be proof of somebody's alcoholism as well. What about that? Uh, well, sure, but play, the, the law already says they're, they're barred from owning firearms if they're convicted of drug use anyways. I didn't say they were convict, convicted. Just if a, oh, family okay. member says, if a family member says, my brother uncle cousin whatever uh is is, you know has guns and he is high constantly or he is stoned or he's tweaking constantly and we're really really worried what he's going to do when he's when he's uh when he's whacked out uh and gets angry uh with his guns Uh, i'm playing devil's advocate here because like i said this is a tough thing this is a really tough thing we do want people to who are like that to not have control of firearms so that's of something you know where w- they would go beyond hearsay evidence. Uh, you know they could prove somebody's drug use. They could actually, uh, you know, if they had you know syringes, if they had you know the tools, the drug paraphernalia, all those kinds of things. They could bring those to court and say, look, this person, my my uncle, is really an addict. They really should not be in possession of firearms. Devil's advocate right. point of view. What do you th- what do you say? Well, I, I I mean I agree with that. People, you know that that are that are if they they can't control themselves around illegal substances they probably shouldn't be in possession of a firearm either but the it that's in 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 lakewood as a as a uh, rental property owner if i find out somebody's using drugs on the property i'm obligated to evict them according to the city of lakewood how in god's name am i supposed to prove that that person's using drugs on the property have you ever done it without violating their rights and Right? Have, have, have you ever Cops done it, can't Charlie? just walk in there whenever they feel like it. H- have you ever done it? Have you ever evicted somebody for using drugs on your property? No, because I was told by the city of Lakewood that it's next to impossible Got it. to prove. Got it. Okay. Now, so anyways, he also said it would allow for the removal of firearms. Okay, who's going to remove them? Is it voluntary or involuntary? And when they take away the firearms, they're going to take away all the knives, too? What about the hammers and screwdrivers and ropes and, 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 and trucks and cars? 
we're worried about people hurting themselves or hurting somebody else, right? That's the whole that's the whole claim here. Yep. So so what about those things? And 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 you I forgot, I don't know. Forgot, I'm sure you, you forgot, heard. Hold on, you forgot rope and bed sheets too, because and I'm not trying to be I a smart say, I did say here. rope. Uh, oh, did no, you? I okay. say rope. Be- because, uh, because, well, you know, you have to say bed sheets too. Look at uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Because what the governor sure. said was, is that if somebody is a threat to themselves, in exa- for example, potential suicide, then you got to take away all of the things that they can use to kill right. themselves. He's not, allowed, he's not allowed to wear belts either. <laughs> What's that? Um, there was a there was a guy in Connecticut that was killed by police officers. I'm sure you heard this story, where they came into his house four o'clock in the morning. They, they, I'm sure they probably knocked on his door and yelled police, but four o'clock in the morning, the guy's asleep. The next thing you know, he gets woken up because his door's getting kicked in. What do you think he did? He grabbed his firearm and he went to go see what the heck was going on. And he gets shot and killed by police because he had a firearm, uh, in front of, in front of police officers that were breaking into his house. This, all this, all this is going to do is make a bunch of victims out of people who didn't commit a crime. They, and, he said that he met with pastors after the Dayton thing. He needs to meet with gun owners that are going to be affected by this. And this is, is just blatantly unconstitutional. He said he was working with Second well, it Amendment is, people. It, it, it is. I agree with you. That's the reason I, I had the discussion with the governor is that, that and Charlie, i got a jet here. I'm way late for the break. Thank you. Uh, it is unconstitutional. And to your other example, by the way, I would hope that nobody, no police officers are knocking on the door at 430 in the morning to go and confiscate somebody's guns. Uh, that uh, You know, let's let's be reasonable and sensible here and do this at a normal time that somebody isn't going to wake up in the middle of the night and fear that there's a home invasion happening and get their legally possessed firearm. And then uh, one of the other gets shot, either the cops or the individual. I would hope that there is some common sense applied in situations like that. Uh, 923, right back after this. New short segment here. I'll get one more call in. Don't forget, I am going to give you Governor Mike DeWine after the bottom of the hour news. Uh, I interviewed him yesterday at 1035. And due to listeners' listening habits, people listening in the 9 o'clock hour were probably not listening in the 10 o'clock hour yesterday. So I'm going to give that to you coming up at 935 so that you can hear it for yourself. The governor is a strong supporter of these personal protection laws, as he calls them. Uh, red flag laws is what most of us call them. And um, we got a problem. I disagree with the governor. I feel like the conversation was very, very well worth having. You can judge for yourself. Mark in Fairview Park. Hi, Mark. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, I'm going to move kind of faster. I know you're limited on time, but I just want to mention something about this Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, you know, we had the incident with uh, uh, the Representative Scalise, you know, uh, also the Fredo meltdown. And even before last Christmas, I was at a party and this guy knew I was a big Trump supporter, kept egging me on and egging me on. I finally asked the guy, I said, and I know everybody's looking, they knew something was going to happen, but I asked him, I said, who did you want uh, for president? That heap they were trying to load into uh, that black SUV at the 9-11 commemoration? You know, guy lost it, threw a glass bowl at me with chips, and missed me, but smashed in a woman's uh, uh, kitchen. It was, you know, quite a scene, but uh, these... these uh, uh, Trump derangement uh, syndrome people, they're out there. But the main point I want to make, what I'm building up to, is about a week ago I saw Rand Paul on Fox with his wife. And, you know, he just had another operation. He had swelling in his lung and in, and was infected in that. And, uh, you know, the media, they covered it like, and even he said it, 
covered it like uh, this guy who attacked him uh, just pushed him into some rose bushes or something. But uh, Ron Paul said, he's, I had three ribs fractured before I even knew who the guy was, before I was even able to turn. And uh, the guy had been on the Internet and making his rants against the president and everything else. But just, just, just basically what I wanted to say, this is like a warning, uh, a warning to all uh, Bob France listeners and everybody else who is uh, listening. You got to watch out who you get into arguments with and this and that, because this Trump derangement syndrome is a is a very serious syndrome, and that's no, all I had Mark, for today. Mark, Bob. that is a great point, and you're right. I tell people all the time to be careful. That's why, and I tell you know, look, be part of the silent majority if you want. Don't advertise who you are and who you support. Don't wear the red cap. I don't. Don't wear the Trump 2020 T-shirt. Don't put the bumper sticker on unless you want to potentially be attacked, like you see constantly. You just mentioned the caller just mentioned Rand Paul being attacked himself. He's a senator for crying out loud by a nut job neighbor. Unless you want your car being vandalized, um, don't advertise it. Make sure that you you know talk in in company that is favorable about these kinds of things, and then uh, let's just all make sure we show up in November of 2020 and do the job that we have to do. Uh, thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Nine thirty one news now. I'm going to replay Governor Dewine on the other side on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, it's 9.36 now. The Bob France Authority continues. If you're on hold, I'm going to ask you to stay on hold for a few minutes now as I uh, deliver on the promise. Yesterday, I interviewed our governor, Mike DeWine, about uh, the red flag laws that he supports and uh, had to challenge him on a few things. As I said in the open, uh, I tried to be very respectful because I respect him for coming on to talk about this with somebody who knew was going to be uh, dis- in disagreement with him. Uh, I support Second Amendment, I support our Constitution, and I support the protection of Ohio citizens. It's a tough thing that he's got to figure out, and a lot of legislators do as well. I think this is the wrong approach, however, and that's what I told him through a series of what I think are respect- respectful but challenging questions. So here's Governor Mike DeWine from yesterday's program for those who missed it, and if you heard it, well, you probably should hear it again. Before we talk about the proposals that you are putting in front of the assembly, um, I, I, want, I have to ask you, because I thought you did a, a wonderful job of trying to unify people and bring people together. I think a lot of the faith uh, leaders that you just mentioned tried to bring people together in the aftermath of that terrible Dayton shooting. I thought President Trump tried to bring people together in the aftermath as well with his visit, which was condemned vociferously by Mayor Whaley. What was your opinion of her uh, uh, expression that she did not want the president of the united states to come and show his support for the community of dayton when he did well i'm not sure she said that exactly um you know what she did do is hold a press conference she and sherrod brown senator brown after after the president left and talked about you know what she thought the president should do on on the national scene i I will tell you fran and i were um in the hospital uh the president president came in uh went directly to the hospital and the hospital he met with some of the victims who were who were still in the hospital uh went into their rooms uh he and the first lady uh they were uh, very very well received uh in that hospital uh even had one mom uh who, who saw the president go by her son's room and her son that friday night had been in a horrible horrific motorcycle accident uh, she asked the president if he would come in and see her son, and, and he and the first lady uh, did. Uh, the president also saw uh, a number of victims who uh, had been wounded, who were actually out of the hospital, but came back and gathered in a room. Uh, the president met with the first responders. 
met with the police officers who stopped uh, the assailant, uh, met with paramedics, and met with uh, a lot of uh, emergency room and hospital personnel. And and to a person, uh, I don't think uh, there's an exception to this. The president was extremely well received. Uh, people wanted to have their picture taken with him. Uh, the first lady, Fran, and I just really observed the first lady when she went in and talked to uh, some, you know, someone who had been injured. They're still in the bed. They can't get out of the bed. Uh, and, you know, she would lean down and talk to them very, very softly, very, very compassionate. So I thought, you know, what I saw occurring inside that hospital and I was with the president from the time he walked in until the time he walked out. Uh, people wanted him to come. They wanted want him to to meet with them uh and i suppose if someone didn't want him to come they they weren't there uh, or they didn't you know meet with him but everybody right. that met with him uh i thought that you know they appreciated him being there very very much and i thought he did a nice, very nice job and the first lady uh certainly did a just you know a great great job yeah the uh the mayor uh indicated she was not pleased uh with his uh with his presence or with his speech saying quote i'm disappointed with his remarks he mentioned gun issues one time i think watching the president over the last few years on the issue of guns i'm not sure he knows what he believes there's just a lot of divisiveness there there at a time that i think unity was called for and that's what the president came to do not to have a political discussion about guns but to well, support we thought, for the community Look, we got we got to pull people together, uh, and you know I've been trying to, to to do that. And you know what I said when I, you know I, other uh, that that I made on Tuesday. It was a Tuesday after the Sunday shooting, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was important uh, to lead. I thought it was important as governor. We need to outline exactly where we need to go, or at least where I think we need to go. Uh, many of those proposals, uh, interestingly, we had been working on for some time. I mean, this whole thing about what we call personal protection orders, uh, some other people refer to it as red flag. Uh, yeah. That drives my, my, my Second Amendment friends absolutely crazy to use that term. But uh, we've been working on that with the Second Amendment community for at least three months. John Houston, my lieutenant governor, was very, very active in, in, in working on that. Andy Wilson, who was the prosecuting attorney, used to be prosecutor in Springfield, Clark County, and he now works for me. He worked on that. So we have something that we think is constitutional. We think respects people's Second Amendment rights, but but also uh, has the ability to separate uh, people from guns when those people are dangerous to themselves or dangerous to others. Well, that's what I wanted to discuss with you. We're talking with Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. In, on your um, proposal, uh, at least according to the webpage, the, your, your webpage, the governor's webpage, uh, you describe the safety protection orders this way, or does your staff. Governor DeWine is asking the legislature to pass a law to allow courts to issue safety protection orders which would remove firearms from potentially dangerous individuals and get them the mental health treatment, the treatment they need, all while maintaining an individual's right to due process. Now, what I'm concerned about and what I know a lot of people who call this program are concerned about is how are we going to remove firearms from, quote, potentially dangerous individuals without determining uh, who is, quote, potentially dangerous and giving them their full due process. If we take the firearms first, then ask whether or not they are, uh, you know, and then determine rather whether or not they are, quote, unquote, dangerous, they have actually not been granted due process. How do sure. we square that? Sure. And we, 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 Bob, we agree with that. Uh, we looked at what other states had done. There's 17 states that have done something in this area. Uh, I believe that uh, by far ours will have more constitutional protection than any of the other ones. 
Uh, Indiana passed one. Uh, my understanding is, is you can remove a gun without a court hearing, uh, at least on a temporary basis. We don't allow that. Uh, what what we what we do is we have a, a process. Uh, this can be initiated either by family members, and I'll tell you my experience as a prosecutor uh, is that it's usually family members who are the ones who are raising their hands and say, my God, do something. Somebody's got to do something. So family members can initiate the procedure or the police can initiate the procedure. No one else can initiate it, first of all. The procedure is, and I'll do a good kind of quick summary, but the court, once this is filed in court, and we expect it would be filed by a prosecutor, so the prosecutor obviously has to be convinced that there is evidence there. Uh, then the judge would have to have a hearing within three days. That's a, that, that would be kind of a preliminary hearing. Go- Governor, I need uh, to back up for a second because I want to make sure yeah, I, sure, I understand sure. the timeline of how sure. this would work. So yep. a family member has a suspicion about another family member potentially being a danger to himself or others, and he knows he has firearms or access to guns. You, you you jumped right to court, a prosecutor saying something. What what happens before that? Are are police going to the the home of this nope. individual nope. and seizing guns? Nope. Okay, so we're just nope. going to. Are we dragging nope. this individual to a courtroom, or is this being done in in, well, in, a, in his absence? How does that work? Well, no, no, uh, we're not going to drag him, and but we're not going to do it uh, without notifying him. So, uh, you know, he would have to be served. Uh, which, uh, you know, as you know, means that you have to personally put a piece of paper in his hand and tell him, hey, there's going to be a hearing on such and such a date. Uh, so he's got to be notified. Uh, when he goes to that hearing, he certainly has the right to have a lawyer. The burden of proof is upon the prosecutor, not upon him. Uh, it, the, the way we've got it set up, it's two stages. Uh, one is, is, is the quicker, the preliminary, which has to be held within three days. Uh, by a judge. Judge has to schedule it within three days. Got to serve the guy. Got to let him come into court. Uh, the standard there is probable cause. Is a probable cause to believe this person is a danger to himself and, a da- and or a danger to others. Uh, if that's probable cause, the court can issue a temporary order to the police to have guns removed. But within 12 days, uh, there, has to, there has to be a full hearing, another hearing, basically a second hearing and the standard there is a higher standard for the prosecutor and it's a clear and convincing evidence uh that has to be proven and what we do and, and i don't want to what has to what time, has to be proven I, sir if yeah, i may what, what do you mean it's yep, what clear exactly and convincing what evidence to has to be proven here's what it is i'm going to read directly from what we are proposing to the legislature uh we talk about a dangerous individual an individual is dangerous if the individual presents an imminent risk of injury to themselves or another person or the individual presents a my my uh, hold on just a minute my ipad is now giving me fits i apologize for that that's okay hold in on. fact let me let me let me fill know, this gap I, while I, you I fix the ipad with this question all right i, got uh, no, I understand right, i understand ahead. let me let me let me ask you this question uh, mr yep. if yep. i may uh, mr governor rather um you say if somebody is in imminent danger to themselves then we say that we have to schedule a date for these hearings. If something is imminent, what is to stop somebody from killing them or, you know, using that weapon on themselves or on well, somebody else in the interim while we wait for this court hearing? We would still have a current Ohio law, which is used, we, we used to refer to as, as the pink slip law. The slip is no longer pink. It's white, I'm told. Mm-hmm. But basically, if you've got someone who you think, uh, is an imminent risk to themselves, and you're the family member. Uh, you, you know you can get get a, a pink slip, 
which means the person is taken to a hospital, or they're taken, and and they're doing it. They do a psychiatric evaluation. So we, this is current law. So it would it would fill in this three day gap that exists. So you make a very very valid point. But the current law would take. All right, looks like we had a glitch there for some reason. The uh, audio has stopped on us. I'll tell you what, though. I do need to break this into two parts anyway, so it's the perfect place to do it. It's 947, the rest of the interview with Governor Mike DeWine, and then your phone calls in reaction to it to follow. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 951 now. I want to give you the rest of the interview from uh, yesterday with uh, Governor Mike DeWine. We're talking about red flag laws, and we're at the point in the interview... I backed it up just a little bit in case you missed this part. He's talking about um, the pink slip law, which already allows somebody to essentially grab uh, a family member and involuntarily commit them to a facility for psychological evaluation, if not treatment, and uh, suggesting that that might be the way to stop somebody who is being investigated for potentially being unfit to have firearms uh, from stopping them from taking their firearms and committing terrible acts before the investigation is concluded. So uh, we'll pick it up right there. We would still have a current Ohio law, which is used, it, we, we used to refer to as, as the pink slip law. The slip is no longer pink. It's white, I'm told. Mm-hmm. But basically, if you've got someone who you think uh, is an imminent risk to themselves, and you're the family member, uh, you, you know, you can get get a, a pink slip, which means the person is taken to a hospital, or they're taken, and and they're doing it. They do a, a psychiatric evaluation. So we, this is current law. So it would it would fill in this three day gap that exists. So you make a very very valid point, but the current law would take care of, of that. What we want to do with this law is make sure there, there, is, there is due process. Let me just read it. Individual, yes, please. Person is dangerous if the individual presents an imminent risk of injury to themselves or another, or or the individual presents a risk of personal injury to themselves or another person in the future. Individual either, A, has a mental illness that maybe basically says if they have a mental illness and they're not taking, and they're supposed to take meds and they're not taking meds, or... Uh, is the subject of a documented evidence that would give rise to a reasonable belief that the individual has a propensity for violent or emotional unstable conduct. Example of so that. So now we're now I we're into dangerous pain. ground. Yep. Well, now now, now, now if I may if I may offer yep. or ask you your opinion yep. on this, sure. we're in dangerous sure. ground sure. here. Now now that part is different than a than a a diagnosed mental illness, especially one for which somebody is prescribed medication or treatment of some kind, and that they may not be taken. Now, but the last part, the propensity to violence, because what, as you well know, uh, Mr. Governor, we live in this strange, weird, polarized society where someone can identify someone else on the basis of a political ideological difference saying that guy's dangerous in other words my fear and a lot of people that i've talked to since this has happened and these these discussions have started our fear is that people who point to other people wearing red trump hats are violent this guy's got guns he's got a trump hat and so therefore and he's a family member you know we have these all these kinds of uh uh uh, conflicts with one another all the time somebody can just be accused of being somebody with a propensity of violence for violence just because 
somebody sees them as perhaps a Trump supporter or, you know, somebody uh, you can be accused of being a, a white nationalist or something crazy where no crime has been committed, no crime is in the planning stages, but somebody can just say that guy's got a propensity to violence. I don't like it. He's got a gun. I'm going to court to have his guns taken away. Where's the due process come in? That's what I need to find out. Uh, all right. Let me walk through it. Number one, an individual can't do it. It has to be done by the police or it has to be done by a family member to even start the process, to even start. Mm -hmm. So your neighbor can't even start the process. That's that's number one. Uh, Number two, uh, when I read this, it says the individual presents a risk of personal injury to themselves or another person in the future, in the future. So you have to first establish that in court by evidence for a judge. So and then we get to the next one. So the next one that you objected to is a subject of document evidence that would give rise to reasonable Well, I, I would actually object to the first one, too. <laughs> I would have to, because uh, the, the words in the future, we're asking people to bring out their crystal balls well, and say, I can predict what okay, that person's going to do here, in the future. Well, that's a well, troubling well, aspect, well, too. <laughs> hey, all right, hang with me here a minute. Hang with yeah. me here a minute. Uh, you, you may disagree, but let me explain at least what our rationale is. Okay. Uh, a large number of people who commit these crimes uh are not mentally ill. Uh, some of them are, uh, but some of them simply, uh, you know, probably are not mentally ill, but they have a propensity to violence. And propensity to violence, what do you do with the person uh, who is on, on, who has been telling people around them, let's just make up a case. Uh, I'm going uh, and you've got people who will come in and say, yeah, Billy Bob said he's going to shoot up the school tomorrow, or Mary Sue said she's going to do that. Or they post on Facebook, uh, you know, people people need to die. Uh, and we can come up with all different scenarios. And those are, those are direct threats, somebody. though, Mr. Governor. Those are direct threats, and I would agree. Absolutely, we should act on okay. direct threats posed either verbally or online. But, but uh, what we're talking about is not direct threats. We're talking about trying to, 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 uh, you know, as, as a soothsayer, you know, get a, get an idea of somebody's future ability or propensity to potentially commit an act based on either mental illness, psychological disorders, or, as you just say, uh, you know, rage issues. Well, we're trying to pick. We're trying to predict, and I, and you know, future crimes are. That's, well, that's a dangerous yes, territory. Yes. Well, first of all, we're not putting them in jail. Uh, right. You know what we're talking about doing uh, is on a temporary basis separating them from their guns. So let, let's let's make sure we understand. We're not trying to put people in jail for this. No, I understand. I understand. We're trying, we're trying to separate them. But let me go. Let's go back. And again, as as. as the prosecutor's up there with the burden of proof the defendant who is being prosecuted for a crime that has not been committed okay which is troubling well, enough all, is going to have to defend it well then i'm saying a prosecutor's you're doing the you're, you're the, the, a lawyer you use the wrong words it's not prosecuted well, no, but no, but no, but, but, but sir, but sir, what I mean is, you you are talking about a prosecutor by definition. The prosecutor is going to try to prove that this person is a danger to themselves. So why do we have somebody who is a prosecutor in, involved in a case where no crime has been committed? That that's what I'm saying. And then the defense, the person who is being accused of potentially being a threat to himself or others, has to hire an attorney just based on the words of of a, possibly a family member or somebody close to them who says, "I think this guy might be." Dangerous. 
dangerous. Now they've got to hire an attorney, which could cost them thousands of dollars to defend themselves in a case because who they've never committed a crime, but somebody thinks they might someday. That's a pretty tough ask for for a civilian to be asked to get an attorney well, to defend his own rights to own a gun, which is guaranteed him by the Second Amendment. Uh, still, do, we still have due process. Mm-hmm. It still has to be done by a judge. Uh, it is more due process than any other state has had. Indiana the law that was signed by then Governor Pence. Uh, this bill that I'm presenting that, that you don't like, which I respect, but it has a lot, lot more due process than what Indiana has passed. And Indiana has not seen, seemed to have a huge problem, uh, in the years since Pence was governor, uh, uh, with this, with this law. So, you know, we, we, we can, we can debate this out, uh, but I, I, you know, we have built in the due process, and we have worked with a number of people uh, who probably feel as strong or not stronger about the Second Amendment than you do. Uh, and a number of them have basically told us, look, uh, you know, let's make sure we got the words right. But we think, you know, you're not only heading in the right direction, but we think you've got something that we can actually support. I know there are no easy answers, and I, and I hope this didn't come off as combative. I know you're doing everything you can to try to address this while staying in the boundaries of the Second Amendment, of the Constitution, and also trying to protect people. I know it's not easy for any leader, governor, legislator, or anybody else. So this is going to be an ongoing discussion. I hope it doesn't turn into a battle, per se, but I hope that our uh, legislators that you have uh, you have appealed to to try to address this do keep in mind some of the things that I just mentioned about the rights of an individual who has not been accused of a crime, but is being accused of potentially someday maybe wanting to commit a crime uh, because uh, and, and perhaps losing their Second Amendment rights over that because I think that's a very serious issue, and I know you do as well, and I know every legislator in that assembly does as well. So I wish you all the very best in trying to find the right solution to balance uh, you know, the protection of, of, of our citizens uh, with, of course, the rights of our citizens, and I know that's what we all, uh, all uh, desire. Bob, good, uh, good being with you, and I look forward to talking in the future. Thank you so much, Governor. I really appreciate your time. Right. Have a wonderful day. All right, I skipped ahead in the middle there. You probably heard the little um, uh, skip ahead only because it wasn't going to finish by ten o'clock otherwise. So I wanted you to hear the end of that. Con- wanted you to hear the end of that conversation. So what do you think? Is the governor on the right track? Uh, I, I I don't think he is. I think his heart is in the right place. I think he's in a very very tough spot, as are all elected officials when it comes to this issue right now. Um, but I don't think this is the right track for all of the reasons I stated and reasons I didn't get to state because of the limited limitations of time. So please, uh, if you're on hold, stay there. We're coming to you as quickly as we can. I'm also going to get the reaction of my friend Tom Zawistowski from the We the People Convention and the Portage County Tea Party. He wrote an essay about this uh, on the We the People Convention website, so we're going to get his reaction coming up next as well. On a- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.